Sacred Space. Okay, so welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations, which uh, today we're out and about, and we are in Limerick. Actually, we're in the uh, Redemptive Monastery here in Mount St. Alphonsus here in Limerick. And um, my name is John Keeley. Delighted to welcome on to our, our chat this morning is um, Father J.J. O'Riordan. Now, I'm not too sure if I pronounced that correctly. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Was I correct in that pronunciation? Ah, yes, I think that we, we won't quibble over this. You're very Details. Uh, Father, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Mm-hmm. Father joined us this morning to, to, to tell us about um, his journey and uh, his, his faith journey, I suppose, uh, right the way from his early days, right the way through to today, many years as a priest. But just going right the way back, Father, a little bit about your background. Where are you from and family I'm, and all that? I'm from Kiskem in Slave Lokra. Um, people wonder where's Kiskem. Well, for those who are not educated, Kiskem is um, in North Cork, Duhallow. Uh-huh. And um, the nearest towns would be um, Mill Street, Kenturk, Newmarket. And then go over the border, Abbey Field, and Killarney is 20 miles from us. So you're not too far away from us here? I'm not, no. no, no, no. Not too miles away. Same bog country. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, family, brothers and sisters? Five sisters. I'm the youngest, then one by only. One, one by only. Yeah. Um, brought up in that era, which would have been back probably in the 50s or maybe in the 40s. Oh, yeah, it? the 40s, yeah. So school yes. wouldn't have been... Full of computers and iPads and all that sort of stuff? No, thank God, no, no, <laughs> no. So that would have been maybe a small school in a small area? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Well, there were two teachers in the boys' school and two in the girls' school, or maybe three in the girls' yeah, school, the girls yeah, school in Kishkem. In those days, mm. Father, um, the the faith was pretty strong? Faith was, the, was, the... was quite strong. It was um, um, like I... I I was in school here in Limerick in the boarding school mm-hmm. on my first step to join the Redemptors when I discovered from one of my fellow students that there were some families in Ireland who did not say family rosary every night. Wow. I never discovered that in Kiss Game because that was the routine of life. It was just natural. It was normal. That's, there was prayer in every house. And if you went into a house and the prayer was going on, you just knelt down and joined them and continued until the end and then talked whatever you wanted to say. But then you came into Limerick and you found that maybe that wasn't this? Oh, yeah. Uh, from talking to fellow students, you know, mm, mm, um, from different parts of the country, they just discovered that. that was. Uh, and so you probably came in to do it to, to, for your secondary school here or, or maybe further education than that? Secondary. In Limerick. Just here beside us okay. in the college, yeah. So the idea being, when you were at school, did you have any idea what you might do when you left school? Oh, yeah. You didn't come to this school unless you had in mind becoming a redemptress. Is that the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you decided to go on another path, you were expected to leave. Okay. You did. You Sometimes you were allowed to finish out the year, but sometimes not. Sometimes not. Yeah. What gave you the idea first? Where did you first get the idea about becoming a, a redemptist or, or a priest? Um, well, a priest and a redemptist um, got the idea of becoming a priest from serving Mass 
at home in Kiskame ah. when I was about 10 or so. Yeah. Uh, becoming a redemptorist, definitely 1948, we had a parish mission. Ah. And uh, that's where I decided, well, that should be this particular kind of life rather than secular priests. Okay. Uh, that I decided on that one. Mm. Were there many um, within your own age group would have had the same idea? Nobody that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. although there were several priests in the parish and indeed several redemptorists, but uh, there wouldn't have been just my age group exactly. Um, but there were eight redemptorists from the parish, from Kishkeem, and um, but they were older, uh -huh. an older generation, mm -hmm. uh, a number of them, many, and then some more came on after my time. Uh, so, so when you're when you're at the at the mission, um, maybe you're, you're you're you were more you were very open to the message of maybe priesthood, maybe the redemptive, especially with your serving mass and yeah, yeah. the family roles that's, that's and the right. within the family. Oh yeah, that was all part of our being. It yeah. was all part of it. It was. Yeah, it was. So. What were, um, when you came to school here, the, you, you came to a redemptist yeah, college? Yeah, redemptist college, which is now St. Clement's. And how did that work? I mean, how many years were you there? And, five. And, and, and the process, or what, what the, the yeah. idea was? You did five years there, up to leaving cert. Up to leaving cert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And within that, were you in boarding school at that particular time here? It, oh, it was a boarding school, yeah. So therefore, you were, you were getting used to the routine, I can maybe? tell you, it was a select boarding school. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> the, the, the routine there, would it have been as a religious, would it, even though you were young? Oh, it was much the same as any other school, I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, you had the classes and the uh, but morning uh, prayer language rise, Irish, English, Latin, Greek, French. And history and geography, you know, and uh, then music, and um, then some other little fringe okay. topics then as well. Very good. Mm -hmm. And so after that, then after after secondary school, then what did you do then? On to the novitiate in uh, Athenry, Esker. Okay, just uh, explain to people what a novitiate is. Novitiate is um, a kind of a, a training. It's the beginning of training for the priesthood or for. Well, for becoming a monk anywhere, a monastery. Mm -mm. Uh, so you did a year usually, sometimes did two years. Um, uh, but uh, in our situation, it was a year if you were becoming a priest. Uh, if you were becoming a brother in the Redemption, it was a two-year training in the mm -hmm. novitiate. Uh, because we are a, a, a brotherhood. Where uh, in Irish you would redemptors would be on broher the brother, okay. uh, so that uh, priesthood is a kind of an extra if you like. Um, but okay. being, being a redemptorist, the first thing is you're a member of the community, yeah. and then some are ordained. And, and uh, you are dressed in civilian clothes, I believe, within the novitiate, are you? Or no, you. Oh no, you. You, you got you, into you the, the gear. Yeah, you got in, in the gear. You got the habit after six weeks. Is that right? Yeah, and. Uh, and you lived a life, i.e., the morning prayer and the, and the prayer Oh, yes, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or oh, the prayer would be in, both in the college and in the novitiate. Like prayer was part, an integral part of the life. You know? So yeah. the idea was to, was to give you an idea of how religious live, is it, on a daily basis and appreciation of yeah, what you let yourself in for. And, and you lived it. 
Yes, uh, <laughs> you, within that, then you probably would have had a vocation director or somebody chatting with you quite often. Yeah, you had um, the novice master in the division, okay, who was meant to break you down <laughs> and break your personality and all that other stuff, yeah, and take all the all the good out of your living, <laughs> change you completely. That's right. There was, a, I mean, it gets that gets criticised a good deal, uh, you know, in re- more recent times. But uh, th- there was a, a point in it, because we as redemptors, we work, we work in packs. We hunt in packs, and we let yeah. our best when you have a crowd of redemptors at work in a big situation. Yes, and consequently, to be able to do that, you need to be adaptable and uh, to be able to. Uh, get on with all kinds of people. All kinds of people. Yeah. yeah. And, and no doubt there were all kinds of people in that division. Sure. Oh, yes. From and, all parts yeah. of the country. And yes. Families and so and so for strata of society. Mm-hmm. So after one year of novitiate, then, then what's the story yeah, then? Six or seven years more studying in, in Galway, in our seminary, which was a, a fully function redemptorist training centre, seminary, so right up to the priesthood. A little bit like the American factories um, where you had um, what they call a vertical plant. Okay. You were yeah. a raw material coming in at one end and you went out finished. <laughs> you were finished product on the other, end, the other side. You came, out, you came out as a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> and, but an, an awful lot of, we did an awful lot of study there because um, I reckon that during those six or seven years we did the equivalent of about three doctorates Wow. Because without getting a credit yeah, for anything. Yes, yes. Uh, but we did 42 weeks a year in classes, you know, work. So that was... Yeah, so that was only 10 That, weeks, that yeah. was double the university year, okay. really, you know. And you did that each year for yes, seven years. This is what, theology, philosophy? You started off doing, uh, well, rhetoric, um, which would be um, a bit on logic and um, English literature, Irish mm-hmm. literature. And uh, then you kind of moved into uh, first philosophy, second philosophy, two years there, which would involve as well as that um, uh, church history. Okay. And you, you got a good grounding in the church history, then into theology, um, different branches of theology. Uh, well, I won't go into headings for no, the theology okay. because that's they're fine, kind of. But they were yeah, they, they don't. Um, what, what, what sort of numbers were there, Father, at that time? Um, well, as in the novitiate, about a dozen or so. Mm. Um, then uh, in the studentate, there were 100 at its max. We hit the number 100 wow. about 1959 or so. Mm. And uh, so that was, that was the high point. That was the high point. Yeah. And uh, the uh, ordination group then would be our group again. It was seven, I think, that were ordained. Okay. Um, then there was one large group just before us. There were about 15 or 16 ordained, I think. That was, again, the high point of that, that, was good. that was good. world, you know, because uh, that world was, was already doomed. Yes, yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. it hadn't dawned on us, but I reckon that but maybe about 1950 that the whole thing had come to a standstill and from 1950 onwards it's been going downhill a little you know, bit, a bit, yeah. and didn't dawn on people maybe until the 60s and 70s and 
Uh, I got into trouble a number of times for telling convicts that they'd be closed in five years and things like that, and they didn't like to hear it. Yeah, they didn't like to hear that. Yeah, yeah they didn't. But, but, but maybe them. But maybe in those days was, and I'm not saying in any way that it would happen in your case. But maybe some people entered seminary because maybe mummy and daddy decided that was. Yeah, they, they, they did. I know one or two, and uh, mind you, they got married since, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I remember one fellow, and he'd never come back to Ireland except in clerical clothes because of mummy. Mummy oh, yes. was alive. Yes, you know? I accept what you're saying. And I, there was another one much the same. Yeah, much the same. So I remember same. those. But, but by and large, fellas went in not because mummy and daddy, no, they just went. Okay. Because that's that the Lord was calling. Pardon? That the Lord, that they heard that they the, had the, the calling to this. Yeah, the calling. That's right. Yeah. And just jumping forward a little bit, and we won't move too far forward at the moment, but that calling is still there. Isn't that right? Father? Yes. I and the Lord isn't just calling less people than he did before, I assume. Not calling who? Less people. He's still calling the same amount of people, or he's still calling people, but maybe. Oh, we no, I couldn't tell you what God is doing. <laughs> okay, you too. <laughs> All right, okay, right. Okay. <laughs> Well, okay, let me rephrase it. There are not so many people now, for whatever reason. Oh, that's true. That's true, yeah. Can you put, in, can you put an idea as to why that might be? Um, well, I really don't know. Mm. There are, you could kind of go through a thousand different reasons. Could, I suppose. I suppose but uh, whether any of them is particular, I don't know. Okay. You have the whole change in society from First World War... Uh, and the the old stability of society breaking okay. down, and then the Second World War blew it out of the water altogether. Mm-hmm. And from there on, you're in a kind of a very different world. Very different world now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the seminary days, as well as the education and lectures and so on and so forth, I mean, you still had this discernment process to go through to say, well, am I, am I really following what I'm supposed to be following? Yes. That's there all the time. Would there have been a certain time, uh, point that you would have had in your own mind say, yeah, I'm sure now, this is, ex- this is, I'm really sure now that this is where I want to be. Sure, I'm not even still sure still. You're still not sure about that either. <laughs> no, yeah. But okay. like, you'd be, you'd be reasonably sure. You'd be sure. reasonably sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and so, you know, uh, I suppose the bulk of fellas probably were reasonably sure, but then you'd have some who'd be hesitant for over a number of years, yes. and then little by little they'd come to a point of, Decision, yes, I'm going with this, or I suppose, not, that's a, I suppose that's a little bit like my dear lady wife, after being married for so many years, over 40 years, and she's still wondering. Yeah, why did I marry that fellow? Why did I marry that fellow? But anyway, that's a, that's a different day's work. <laughs> yeah, right. But coming back then, uh, when were you ordained, Father? So ordained in January 63, 1963. So that's 44? 54 years 54 ago. years. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you but for that. But profession was a more important part of our life. And that's when you become a redemptress. So I'm a redemptress for 60 years now. Um, you, you make your profession after the novitiate. Okay. And when you're into, into the Clonewira in Galway, the seminary, mm. uh, at that stage you are a fully-fledged member of the redemptress order. And you're at, at, on temporary vows for three years, and then you can make them permanent uh, or drop out. And you make them permanent usually after what? For life. For life. But you make those at, at any stage in that? No, seven? you make it after three years. After three years it's permanent? It, it, yeah. It, okay. Okay. So 1963, Odain, you, you can remember the day, Father? 
Remember what? The date? You remember the day when, when you were ordained? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can tell you. I remember the winter. It was the winter of 63, January 63, and it, it was snow from Christmas to after St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so the day, uh, we got three days off after being ordained. Uh, we were allowed to go home for three days. You didn't go home all the other years. Uh, so um, okay. I went home from Galway down in the snow, it took the whole day to go uh, to get to Kishkeim. And uh, when I was home for the three days, uh, people got around. We got around on the tractor and got around on foot and so on. Uh, snow everywhere and ice, oh, yes. and black ice and hard ice and, you know, kind of old snow. It was challenging. Oh, it certainly was, yeah. But then you were back into class the next morning then? More theology. More theology. <laughs> More theology. Because you, you finished up then in in June. Uh, so you were after being ordained in January. Okay, in June. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. When you finished after theology in June. Yeah. You, you, you now get an assignment or you now get placed in a I was assigned in, in a house? to I was assigned to Mount St. Alphonsus. And uh That's fifty four years I, I, I nearly said I'm stuck here since <laughs> <laughs> Well I'm not actually. I was Transferred to Esker then at some stage at Athenry, and then I was in Dundalk. I had about 12 years in Esker and about another 12 in Dundalk. And I'm back here in Limerick again now, like letting the old horse out in grass. <laughs> and tell me, the sort of a work, uh, the work that would, uh, a redemptist would do, just give people some idea, some of our listeners an idea. Um, they would have heard. Redemptists would have been very much involved with giving missions. Yes, missions was the primary yeah, okay. missions at home and in foreign parts. So um, you could be on the home missions, which I was, mm. or some of the lads that were with me in ordination. There are some of them working in Brazil still mm-hmm. after 50 years and more in Philippines. Wow. Uh, so. Uh, do you, do you, can you volunteer or are you, were you told? Uh, you were told. You were told. You'd see notice up on the board, following her going to uh, <laughs> India <laughs> on the 1st of November. <laughs> 54 years, Father, as a priest and, as a, and, and, and 60 years as a, as a redemptist, uh, you must have an awful lot of memories. Can well, certainly, uh, uh, um, a lot of, you know, I have an awful lot of memories, really, thank God. Um, but Clonwira, where we did all the study, was a fascinating place mm-hmm. uh, because as well as doing this study, you had a whole range of other activities going on, apart from games and things like that. You'd have football and hurling and bits of rugby and tipping around with soccer. And two yeah, okay. those, uh, but then, but you had, uh, you had, uh, we produced um, an opera each year and two plays and a third, a third one as well, yeah, three plays, one in Irish, one in English, and then one uh, just before ordination. Um, then you had uh, an orchestra, so there were 30 of us in the orchestra, and uh, I played the trumpet for my sins. Very good. Um, because I had done a bit of training in Kiss Game long ago. Okay. okay. Uh, then you had um, the cobbler shop where shoes were repaired, Printing shop where we were doing basic printing and turning out booklets, St. Gerald's booklets and Mother Petra's Sucker. 
and they all went out, were done by the students and um, uh, leather work, uh, uh, stamp collecting and sorting and mm. selling off yes. and so forth. And the garden, of course, uh, you had work outside uh, the vegetable garden and the flowers, uh, kind of an that extensive. All had to be tended to. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. So we were very busy at all kinds of different levels, you know. So you weren't spending your evenings watching television, or oh, you didn't have any television or radio or anything no. like that, no. Or newspapers. No. no. But you were kept busy. Oh yeah, we were. Yeah, it was a great place, really. Um, a lot of reading done and a lot of reflection and, you know, kind of discussion groups and mm-hmm. in both languages. And training for, the, for preaching then as well. You'd, you'd start with elocution every day, almost from the day you go in, uh, mm-hmm. for the voice production and so forth. And then you would, um, uh, once, twice a year usually, uh, maybe one Irish, one English, uh, you would preach a set piece uh, before the group, before the before professors the and, and mm. the, the staff. And uh, you would get public critique of what you had to say. Mm. And uh, so that all that, you know, it was a very well-rounded in so many ways, you know. But you were isolated. You, were, you, could, you could spend three months of the year or more without ever going outside the gate. Uh, and money didn't figure no, we we no. didn't we didn't weren't involved in that world either. Yeah. And at that time, at the at that time of the church's history, um, Vatican II was was it on or just no? On? It it started um, just after I finished. Just after you finished. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been a, a change. Yeah, the change began to come from there on. Okay. And uh, you know you had the usual change in the sixties, so that one year. Uh, well, I was down here at this stage, but uh, 1967, 68, I think we lost 30 students that year. Uh, we had a drop from the 100 down to maybe wow. 70, and then down to 60, then down, 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 down. And that's been going on ever since. That's been going on ever since. Yeah. Just going back to the effect of Vatican II, Father, just before that, I mean, for us lay people, the big change for us would have been uh, mass being changed from that's the right. Latin to... Sure. To English. Vernacular. Mm. There would have been other changes too that, that maybe would have come and are probably still happening. Oh, you had a, a kind of a general loosening up bit by bit. Yeah. Uh, you had loosening up in terms of, um, well, moving around. Like I was 30 years of age, ordained already for three or four years mm-hmm. before I could put my foot outside that front gate without permission. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, now you can go to Timbuktu for a <laughs> baptism or something, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's such a change that way. Yeah, or oh, massive change that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you find, um, um, for want of a better word, you could get closer to the people, uh, closer to the thinking of the people because of that change, uh, especially with the mass coming into English? Were the lay to become a little bit more involved than what they were before? Um, th- very slowly, Slowly, yeah, and still going on, you know. Mm. We haven't made much headway in that area, I think, still. No, I think, I think there's an awful lot to be done there, you know, in terms of people getting their, getting their hands on the faith itself. Yeah. You know, they'll do jobs and things, but, 
but to actually the handling of their faith or to be able to talk about their faith that's that's almost like that thinking that's untouched huh? but maybe that thinking within the laity sometimes is well listen that's the priest's job that's the religious job they were trained for that i'm not trained for that yeah well this is where that they have to learn yes <laughs> yes and of course this no doubt this recent synod that we've had in Rimmick mm-hmm. will we'll, we'll give it a little bit of a push to yeah uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a start it's anyway, an effort it's to, have to. but like to get this done you need to knuckle down to study yeah serious study and people have to get the books or the computers or whatever they have sources into their hands mm. and work on it and work at it exactly yeah it one just the, doesn't happen no yeah one of the nicest things that i see happening in, in in some parishes and certainly in the newcastle west parish the newcastle west area is lectio divina yes that's that's every certain, monday yeah. evening yeah where, yeah the parish priest, uh, there'll be about 25 of us or so, mm-hmm. and they break open the Sunday Gospel for us yeah, and relate right. it to our yeah. own lives. And that's the yeah. first time when we see it related to our lives. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, some of us lay people thought that God was pointing to us all the time, and it was more like we're waiting for the slap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas now we can say, well, we, we can now believe that we couldn't believe before. He is a loving God. We found it hard to accept yeah. He was a loving God before me. Right, right. And oh, yeah, it takes the time to sink in. It takes a, it takes a bit of time to sink in. So over the years, I mean, 50, 54 years, God bless you, was a priest, there's been big changes and so on and so forth. How does, how does Father, Father JJ um, relax and interest in that sort of stuff? What sort of interest have you got? Um, I'm a historian. Okay. And, uh, I, I, and I have an interest in archaeology and... Um, Allied matters as well, folklore, polit- political history. Don't follow modern politics much. Mm. Um, but uh, like I would have written a good deal about uh, local folklore and uh, local history down over the years. You know? Over the years. Um, and I believe you've also produced a few books on um, Celtic spirituality. Yeah, that's right. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I suppose I, I was at some stage in my life. I realised that I grew up in a thoroughly um, Celtic world, mm-hmm. where people talk about Celtic spirituality. But that was our bread and butter in Kishke yeah. in in, in mm-hmm. the nineteen forties. Mm-hmm. So what people write about you know, in terms of theoretically st- or Catholic spirituality, we were living you that. You were living it. We were living it, yeah. Uh, and uh, so that only dawned on me when I was doing a bit of study in the States in, sometime in the 1970s. And um, the professor, Anthony Padavana, he, um, he was talking about the influence of American Puritanism on American culture and how the... the uh, uh, the Catholic community as well as the other communities that they were all affected by this Puritan mentality mm. and I began to realise that something had happened as well at home in Ireland and uh, it, looking in at a distance and it dawned on me then that you know the world in which I grew up was a very different world from uh, 
the world in which I entered the Redemptorists, if you like. Okay. I was taking a big step from uh, yes. the Catholic culture around Kiss Game to becoming a Redemptorist and the training going on from there, you know. So I began to uncover, if you like, the old uh, mm-hmm. Celtic world and began to write about it. Uh, bit by bit. Bit by bit. Yeah. And I believe you've written, is it five books on, on Celtic spirituality? Is it, is it five books you've, you've written? Yeah, so I think a, a five, five, yeah, I think so, yeah. And there's another book I believe you wrote on St. Patrick. On St. Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a booklet. Yeah. A booklet, if you, okay. Yeah, I have a share of booklets as well. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's true, yeah. I, I've written and preached and spoken a good bit on St. Patrick. Turn to me St. Patrick. What do you think St. Patrick would tell us today? Um, I'd recommend you to read March Reality, uh, which should be out about now. Okay. 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 (laughs) I have an article in that. What Patrick would have to tell us today would be the same as what he told us at the start. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, faith in Christ Jesus, faith in the Holy Trinity, Mm. uh, and uh, trying to live the values of the gospel. I mean, that's St. Patrick, long and short of it, yeah. Tell me, Father, what do you think people expect of a priest? Uh, they expect the world and all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, and they have to come to realize then that he can't deliver on that. He can do a certain amount. Yes. And then that's where people probably begin to say, well, maybe I could do something. That mm-hmm. we are the church, not just the priest. Yeah. You see, we have the image of priest church, but but really the church of Jesus Christ is the believing community. That's what the word means. Church mm-hmm. is the gathering of the people who believe in the risen Lord Jesus. Yeah. So, are you one of those? Are you one of those? Yes. That's the question. That, that's the question. And if you commit yourself and say yes, I am, well then. As they say, step up to the plate, <laughs> not simply the place for collecting, exactly. but to do, to, yeah, to become, to, to, to live it. Yeah. What keeps you going, Father? What keeps you going in terms of your faith and and that kind of stuff? The word I've made, mate. What keeps me going? Well, primarily my faith, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and hope. Uh, that, that we have a hope that there's life beyond and that Christ is risen and that at the end of it all here that we will be continuing to live with Christ risen. That's uh, so that's really, um, I suppose, the essence of it. What else keeps me going? I just day-to-day living, meeting people and... Um, doing a little bit of research and writing a bit and so forth, all those kind of things there. You're not bored anyway? No, not just bored, a few, thanks be to God. Just a few, a few more questions just before we finish, Father. Um, if there was a young person maybe listening to our chat this morning over the radio waves, and may, maybe considering religious life, what would you say to them? Well, consider it, certainly. Pray about it, think about it. And see, is there a slot somewhere that you might fit into a particular grouping? Um, I'd encourage them to be open-minded in terms of um, not getting kind of involved in some of these narrow groups that you do find um, that are living in the past. Mm 
but to be open to this is God's world and uh, God is in charge. That's our faith. Uh, so that you don't kind of try to bury yourself back 50, 60 years, 100 years, but you, you're just open to uh, the world that's evolving, this world of mystery really get more and more as we go along because of the advances in science and uh, quantum physics and um, astronomy and all these things that are opening up whole new vast worlds that haven't even been reflected on because they're so new you know and this is this is the exciting world that's there in front of anybody who has uh, feels they might have a vocation to uh, priest or religious life that uh, they're on the on the the very very front of this world, rather than just being there criticizing it or yes. giving out about it. <laughs> this is the last question. So, what we say to people, and there's some people out there who may be struggling these days to hold on to their faith. Yeah, well, just to, I'd, I'd accept the reality of it. This is this is life in the 21st century. Um, a, a time of searching, of uncertainty, and um, um, time for, you know, reflecting in oneself to say, where, in the middle of all this, where do I stand? And what are, what are, what's worth holding on to in terms of what what's my what am I what's my life worth? What's my worth living? What's worth living for? And um, to try and follow through in that, in that one, um, that you have no kind of tidy answers uh, as they were in the old days. Everything was all tidied up, uh, but they don't exist anymore. So certainly, um, I tell you not for your comfort, not for your desire, as the poet says. Um, in other words. This is your life. This is your chance, your opportunity uh, to leave your mark, if you like, in this world. So what's it going to be? That's your business. Okay. okay. Father JJ, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us and for your time with us this morning. Maybe just before we finish, um, would you like to share, to share a prayer with us, please? Sure, indeed, yeah. Thank Although uh, I would be expecting the laity now to do that, let the priest take part. <laughs> but anyway, in I'm this only case, in you, this case. No. <laughs> but anyway, Lord, we, we we bless you and thank you for this day in which we're alive now, alive now, uh, and um, we thank you for the world in which we live, and all the wonders of it, and all that's opening up before our eyes and that the mystery is deepening more and more, the more wonders that you're unfolding. But then we believe, Lord, that you are mystery, and that we pray that we be able to enter into that mystery more fully day by day, and do it fearlessly, and in great hope that you are always the one in charge. Not in charge in any negative sense, but that you are the one that makes life worthwhile. And for this we praise you, and for the life we thank you. Amen. Father JJ, thank you so much for your time. God bless you. You're welcome.
Sacred Space.